Mother Earth is psychedelic. Her body is covered with psychoactive, sacred medicine. Can psychedelics help us become more conscious and loving parents, partners, lovers, and leaders? Welcome to the Psychedelic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carlin, the Psychedelic Mom, a mother and entrepreneur partnering with Mother Earth's sacred plant medicines to heal, awaken, and learn to live in alignment to my truth. Psychedelic literally means soul revealing. What reveals the soul to oneself is psychedelic. I invite you to join me in deep conversations with leaders, healers, seekers, and other parents. I will share my journey, the wisdom, practices, medicines, and mistakes that have changed my life, and personal stories of others on this wild path. We are the medicine needed to birth the more beautiful world we know is possible. Welcome to today's episode of the Psychedelic Mom podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carlin, and I'm so happy that you're here. And I have two guests for you today. I have Anna Medina back. I have a two-part series that I did with Anna, and um, I've invited her back because I absolutely love her wisdom. Anna is a medicine woman who serves Bufo. In my two-part series with Anna, she shares her personal journey from moving from Mexico to the United States at 17 years old and her journey of being a suburban wife and mother to medicine woman. And she also has a school and is an incredible teacher. So I invited Anna back today to have a conversation with Andrea Valeska. And so I have these two beautiful women here today who are from Colorado, who have been really following what has happened in Colorado with the legalization of psychedelics and earth medicines. Andrea Valeska is a facilitator of healing and medicine woman circles. She's a tarot card reader, and she's also amplifying the voices of indigenous peoples in the psychedelic space. And so I invited them here today to have a conversation about the legalization of psychedelics in Colorado. And they have a different perspective because they were on the ground there of what was happening in the community. And we're going to talk about whether indigenous voices were muted or highlighted and amplified and the pros and cons of what happened in Colorado, because many other states in the United States will be looking at Colorado as a model. So I want to welcome you both here today. I'm so happy to have you here. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. I'd like to just invite you. I did a little introduction, but just let me know where you are in the world and a little bit about yourselves that you would like our guests to know. I'm in Colorado and Boulder County. I'm originally from Chile. I was born and raised in Chile. My lineage is uh, the Mapuche tribe, which is originally from the south of Chile and Argentina. And I have been part of many groups and many advocacy intentions and, and opportunities regarding Antiogen since 2015. And excited to be here today. I'm Ana Medina, and I also live in Boulder, Colorado. I live up in the mountains above Boulder, and uh, I was born and raised in Mexico City. And uh, my father is from the Yucatan, so I have lineage from that side, from Mayans and also Spanish. And from my mom's side is from the north of Mexico, up through Culiacán and Sonora, the Yaqui tribe, way back, and uh, also Spanish. And uh, I have not been in advocacy for many years. I'm not a political person, but I've been doing medicine work for many years. And uh, I love the healing aspect of that and the community building aspect of that. So I'm noticing some similarities between the two of you. You both hold space for great healing to emerge and to take place. You both do it in different ways, Anna as a medicine woman and Andrea Valeska in facilitating circles. And you're both really interested in what's happening to entheogens and psychedelics in Colorado and the importance of what's happening there. I'm curious if we could just start off this conversation 
in letting me know why you think it's important to legalize or decriminalize earth medicines. What is your own personal opinion about that? I think people should not go to jail for using plant medicine that can help us all heal. And at the same time, I don't think we need to be capitalizing on or colonizing the medicine. So it's the whole decriminalization movement and legalization movement is very, very tricky. And uh, the cool thing about Andrea and I talking about this is that she has been involved in the political side of things and she understands the policy and what's actually happening in the policy way better than I do. And I'm more watching over what's happening in the community and the, the rupture that has happened in the community with the way that things have come into Colorado. And so it's more, I, I think we agree on the fact that decriminalizing and legalizing the medicines is a good idea, but the way that it's been done, it's a really, really, really bad idea. And so I'll pass it on to Andrea. Yeah, thank you for that question. First of all, to understand that decriminalize and legalize are completely two different things, very, very, very different. We have to understand that in the United States, these plant medicines are Schedule One, And when they are Schedule One, they are saying that they have no medicinal purposes, which we all know that's not truth. And that's where the intention of decriminalizing these plants, also because they are medicine and also because um, they are nature and nature shouldn't be criminalized, right? And, and to, if we understand the history of this country and why they were criminalized in the first place, we understand that that was a political action and we understand that it was based on not the real facts. And this is why it's so important right now that many studies are happening because these studies are showing people the facts that back then in the 70s, when the criminalization happened, were not available. And in fact, people were criminalized or people were um, shut down their voices for defending these medicines. And I felt that there is some opportunity with the legalization, even though it's done in a, in a very interesting way over here in Colorado, for the studies. And I felt that when we take these medicines out of a schedule one, these studies are possible. These studies are, are, are an opportunity to educate and create awareness to those who are not close to the indigenous ways, because we gotta understand that these are indigenous medicine. Not all of them, the, the plant medicines are, but if we look even at the chemical compounds, they come from nature, you know, the LSD, MDMA, they come from, from, from nature. So that to, to answer the question. That don't not only happened in the United States, what happened in the United States then is replicated throughout the whole Americans. And at the same time, we want to understand the persecution that, that is against um, indigenous people and um, um, the cultural racer that, that it once at the time of the 70s was really big. It wasn't just a political action for protecting the country or the interests of the country. It was also a political action to criminalize people who were coming from Mexico, for example, and with cannabis at the time called marijuana and the whole uh, political um, brainwash, I would say, to to think that those men that came from, from Mexico will rape their female or their white, white wife, right? There was this whole campaign that it was created to also um, set an intention of uh, not opening the borders and not letting people from Mexico, especially um, into the United States. So it's way bigger than just the medicine, it's way bigger than just the political aspect, is, is a social issue, is a cultural and social issue. I was personally part of Decriminalized Denver. I was one of the four people who initiated that intention here in Colorado. And when we spoke in many meetings before anything came out to, to the public, we did talk a lot about the difference between decriminalized and legalized. And we didn't want, at the time, a medical model. We didn't want uh, to legalize. We just wanted to decriminalize. And that's why we focus only on psilocybin mushroom, also known as Nino Santos, because it was the one who has the least risk on the chart of all of the, the drugs to, to name them. 
And personally, as an indigenous descendant, plasma medicine uh, came to my life and my own personal journey. I was searching for healing of my hormonal system and, and I was actually in 2015, it was when I was introduced to this medicine and at the same time, I, w I felt that I was being robbed from information that I didn't know. I do have to say that I was born and raised in Chile under a military coup. So many of the, I grew up in a, under a military coup, but all of this information was shut down. All of this information was not available for, for people. So discovering that outside of my country and realizing that these are indigenous medicine, it, I felt really raw. And I felt that that gave me the foil to really be part of something bigger and say, you know, healing is not a privilege. Healing is for everybody. And we all deserve healing, especially those who are marginalized. And that's really how uh, my path began on, on the activist uh, movement for, for these medicines. Well, my path is a little different, even though I grew up in Mexico City and it is, I consider the concrete jungle of the world. There is a lot of wisdom, there is indigenous wisdom and there's a lot of natural medicine over there. And my mom was studying naturopathy and she was very much against Western medicine always. And she would give us things like powdered snake skin and mixed with orange juice in the morning for breakfast. And so, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of weird natural things because she was all natural. And uh, so I was brainwashed early against Western medicine and all for natural medicine. And so that was just, for me, that was, you know, finding natural medicines and giving birth to my kids naturally and doing homeopathy. And, you know, all of that was just part of my upbringing. I did have a very harsh start in life. We had a lot of trauma, a lot of things that happened. And I had heard about ayahuasca for a few years and was looking for it. I was living in the East Coast. And I think when I found ayahuasca, I wasn't even aware that it was not legal because to me it was it was a plant, right? It's medicine. And it took me a while to figure it all out, to start putting two and two together. Like, wait, we are doing this, but it's actually not legal. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I started holding space with a medicine person that served me ayahuasca the first time and um, I brought him here to Colorado. And um, I remember the first time it dawned on me, wait, this is not something I could put on my meetup site where I announce my cacao ceremonies because it's not legal. And part of my brain was like not comprehending that this was even though it was a natural medicine, that there was something about it that needed to be hidden and stuff. And uh, the more I realized that that's how it was, the more angry I got about kind of like Andrea, like, wait a minute, these are natural medicines, these are our plants, and we could actually get in trouble and go to jail for healing ourselves with this gift from nature. So, and now I understand it's complicated and, and the more Western people are using this plant in a way that doesn't honor where they come from, you know, I, I realize how tricky the whole thing is. It's very complex because on the one hand, we do deserve and the plants are for everyone to heal. And on the other hand, these plants have a lineage and, and you're opening portals to spirit worlds that a lot of people don't understand and don't know what to do with. So it can be dangerous if they're not properly used. So it's it's quite complex. But personally, I can say that I have definitely benefited from a lot of healing of a lot of my trauma with these plant medicines. Yeah, I would like to add to that as well. I do come from a family, a very dysfunctional family system. And I was in the search of looking for help for a family member who struggled with addiction when the medicine found me. So I do believe in the intelligence of the medicine, the intelligence of Mother Earth. You know, what you're seeking is seeking you. Well, it's interesting because the three of us all came to earth medicines and psychedelics in different ways and from different lives, different perspectives. Somehow it does seem that medicine finds us wherever we are when it's our time. And my own experience was that I was looking into earth medicines and psychedelics because I was seeking maybe some healing to help someone in my life who was struggling. And at one point, I got invited into a medicine space and found incredible healing from earth medicines and psychedelics and have found that they have radically 
changed my life. So it's interesting that three women from three different worlds are here today to talk about the importance of earth medicines and psychedelics. And so knowing that these medicines are some of the most powerful tools on the planet and that indigenous people have been holding these wisdom and the wisdom of these medicines and the caretakers for these medicines for centuries, I definitely want to get into your perspectives on all of that. And I know as a Western woman, it's a complicated topic because I'm also seeing in the Western model that many people are receiving incredible benefits from MDMA and the studies that have been available due to the interest in earth medicines and psychedelics. So Andrea, if you could tell me a little bit about the initiative that you were part of in Denver um, that was the beginnings in the United States of the call to decriminalize these medicines. I'd love you to speak on that if you could. How does that initiative compare to what is happening today? Uh, very different. Um, I do want to say that before I moved to Colorado, I was part of um, the Psychedelic Club, of the Psychedelic Society of Brooklyn, where it was way more advanced than what it was happening here in Colorado. So I had an opportunity to see that and be part of that and kind of like bring it to, to the West. And then I was also part of co-leading uh, the Psychedelic Society of Nashville. And so when I arrived in Colorado, that was at the end of 2017, right after the big eclipse that it happened, that it, it was um, that we can see here from, from the US. And just a few minutes before, I'm sorry, a few um, weeks after we arrived here, and by, by we, I mean my partner and I, and our puppies, I start receiving a lot of messages from the land. I, I, I do connect through dreams. So I started seeing a lot of things through my dreams and things that I didn't know. And I started having dreams with the Arapaho. I didn't uh, know the Arapaho tribe at the moment. I didn't know they were a tribe from this land. And I started having all these dreams. And then I was like, I need to find out what's going on with the Arapaho people. And I look for um, psychedelic societies because it was what I knew from the East Coast and I couldn't find anything. And then I found a, the psychedelic clap of that actually was created on Boulder, but then extended to Denver. And I went to one of those meetings and as I'm going there, I get there and I heard somebody introducing themselves and she's saying that she's adopted by that Abajo tribe. So I was like, wow, okay, I need to talk to to this lady and she eventually became my sister and I was able to sat in ceremony with the tribe in Wyoming and that's kind of opened up the whole guidance of of what it was happening with the initiative and we had a meeting about maybe the possibility of doing something here in Colorado to decriminalize maybe but people were very aware much they they were not even aware of the studies that there were were going on they were not aware of all of the knowledge that it was being shared for example in in new york colorado was way behind that at the time and and we spoke about the possibility of decriminalizing and we went and chose nino santos and by then like a small group kind of got together and it was four of us at the moment and I couldn't be a sponsor. I wanted to be a sponsor of the bill. Actually, I got home after a couple of meetings and I wanted to sign up to be a sponsor, but I'm not a American, an American citizen. I'm a, a Chilean citizen, so I couldn't, I don't vote in this country, so I couldn't be a petitioner. And that kind of changed a whole thing of uh, my involvement in the, in the initiative. My husband ended up being actually the, the petitioner. And we submitted a bill that it was to decriminalize only psilocybin mushrooms and to decriminalize possession and cultivation. And I believe at the time it was only that. Then the, that bill was rejected, that the draft was rejected, and then more people got involved because that created such a big movement. Like the press was involved, a lot of people started getting involved, and that's what it became a, a huge, big grassroots movement. And I do want to say that because decriminalized Denver, it was a grassroots movement by the people, for the people, like nobody got pay. 
and what it happened later on three years later with what we're dealing now is completely different it's completely different it's no grassroots it's not by the people it's more institutionalized and it's more interest of corporation so it's very different of what is happening now with what the intention back then was. We did know though that it created a huge impact and I understood that it was the land. And this is something that I kept saying to the group, this is way bigger than us. This is not even about us, this is about the land. And it's about the reparation that it has to happen in this land. And it became a big thing because the press was involved. So a lot of other people from out of state started looking at Colorado and talking about what was happening in Colorado. And later on, things kind of moved in a different way because some people that were involved got connected with some corporate interests. And that's how we went where we are now, actually. So this grassroots effort was to just decriminalize mushrooms and was very connected to the values of the land and the indigenous voices. And it sounds like what happened was big pharma and money came into Colorado. And it sounds like there might have been a hijack to some of those ideals. So I'd love you to talk about what was going on there politically and what was happening in Colorado as the state was looking to decriminalize and legalize these medicines. Yeah, and I, as I said before, the, the politics themselves are not necessarily my forte, but I can tell you what I've watched happen in the community from the perspective of when, when this Natural Medicine Health Act came in, I started watching people that were connected to wanting to decriminalize the medicine, there started to be a rupture in the community because this big corporation came in to Colorado with a lot of money and a lot of people got pretty convinced that this was the right thing to do, but a lot of people ended up getting paid to collect signatures. And uh, people that would have normally had a lot of common sense to them somehow, what I watched was kind of like a brainwash. I don't know how else to say it. But people that you would think have like common sense and were interested in decriminalizing the medicine, all of a sudden were all gone ho about signing this petition to pass Proposition 122 that was going to legalize the medicine. And the ads that started happening in Colorado had more to do with, oh, let's make sure that veterans have the ability to heal from PTSD, which of course who's going to say no to that, but the bill was so poorly written. Nobody really understood what they were voting for. Nobody really understood that this was a very, very poorly written bill that was only going to create more problems and especially in decriminalizing or legalizing mescaline, even though it's not from peyote, that created another whole issue that is way more than I can speak to because that is not my medicine for my people. So. I can't really speak to that whole issue, but what I watched is the community rupture. What I watched is, is people take sides. What I watched is a polarization of our community. And a lot of the people that are not in the inner circle of psychedelic space, like a step or two removed, being very confused about it. And like someone like me, a medicine woman, was saying no to Prop 122, but isn't it a good thing because it's going to heal veterans, right? And so people were very confused as opposed to, you know, people didn't really know what was happening. And so when a corporation comes into a community that is already starting with a grassroots movement to go at a certain pace with something and understanding and bringing community in, and then a corporation comes in with a lot of money and just takes this slow moving train to a fast jet like movement. A lot happens in the community. There is rupture, there is infighting, there is trauma, there's a lot of harm, there's harm to the indigenous, harm to so many different pieces of the thing, because all of a sudden it's not the people for the people anymore. Like Andrea said, it was not by the people for the people. It's by this big organization. And who was that organization? It's the Natural Medicine Health Act was the actual act. I think the community is a political action 
organization that I believe comes from California, and they're they're doing the same thing that has happened to Colorado. They're they're coming into a lot of other states to do the very same thing and convince people that this is a fabulous thing to do to legalize the medicine in this way. So there is a PAC, it's a political action committee from California, it's called New Approach, and they're huge in the cannabis industry. They are, um, if you actually go and start looking who they really are, there's a lot of people involved, there's a lot of money involved, there's a lot of funding involved, and they were involved in many of the legalization of the cannabis for many years. And the person who runs the representative of New Approach is also uh, the political advisor for uh, Dr. Bronner's organization, who also has donated a lot of money to MAPS or to many um, initiatives to decriminalize. So there is intentions. We don't know. I don't know that intention personally. I just know that what they want is a, is a medicalized model and a very regulatory model. And I do understand that everybody got paid to collect signature at the time for them, for Preposition 1 to 2. It was people being hired. It wasn't people volunteering because they really were connected to the medicine. They were strategically put in different locations to collect signature, for example, right outside uh, liquor stores, which, again, it goes against what the plant medicine intention of healing is. So it became this corporate mindset and, and this corporate mission actually of, of owning these medicines, right? Because if we look really what happened after legalizing its patent, and so it was a way to get in. And I, I personally feel and think that they found the right person to grab from it to, and that's what it created the division in the community because there were one or two people who started working for this organization and started doing whatever they say. And they had many, many, many closed door meetings for like a year and a half before they told the community what was happening. And another thing is that the bill, it was a 16 pages bill. So people were going to read that. But when they were collecting signature, they asked people, will you vote or get signature for Natural Medicine Act? If you think of Natural Medicine Act in Colorado, people are going to say yes, because who is going to say no to natural medicine? So people was misinformed. People were not given all of the information. People really didn't know the impact of indigenous people. They didn't know that indigenous people were not even consulted. And we're not just talking about Nino Santo. We're talking about five components. And we're not talking about the plant itself. We're talking about extracting their main component, which is a whole other thing, which is not how Mother Nature gives us the medicine. It's, it's just very, very different. So if you could talk a little bit about the law that passed, this proposition bill that had been proposed, 122 proposition that is now law. If you could talk about five things that you feel are problematic with this new law, I'd love to understand how you wished this had gone. Well, the bill passed, the voters vote for it, so it passed. It is affected as, as last year, December last year, but there is two part of the bills. One, it was decriminalization and another was a regulatory side. That's still in process because there is a board involved and all of these other things involved. So that won't be affected until next year, probably until the end of the next year like that people applying for licenses and all of that. I feel that the mistakes are indigenous people were not consulted. Indigenous people, and I'm talking about those who are the lineage of ayahuasca, those who are the lineage of peyote or washuma, those are the lineage of working with Nino Santos or Ivoga, they were not consulted, none of them. I have heard from people who, from somebody who helped to draft this bill, that they consulted with some Apache members, but they are not, I mean, some people will say that they are not from this land, others will say that they are from this land. So because we need to understand also the history of Colorado, Colorado is a place where the land was stolen, the people of this land were pushed away, killed, you know, and put away into the reservations that they're not even part of the state. So those people from this land were not consulted. They were not um, 
also ask for permission to to do this over here and to extract a little piece from this plant medicine you know if you ask a medicine man a, a shaman or or, or someone who worked with this medicine, I'm sure they know not like that, right? And we have asked them, obviously, and, and, and they're not pro that because uh, that's not how Mother Nature gives you the medicine. There is a reason that of the alkaloid, there's a reason of why the plant itself is, is a plant and it was created that way for a reason, right? So the fact that this bill who passed wants to just extract something in a lab and do it in their own way in four doors with somebody who just get a certification from a board that it was selected by the governor. And the board it does has an indigenous group, working group, I would say, but that is component of four people. From those four people, two of them, two ladies actually have the lineage, but they don't carry the medicine. There are no uh, carries from the medicines that they come from generation to generation, their lineage. So I would say no listening to the, the indigenous people, no consulting with them, trying to manufacture medicine by extracting. And the other thing is the lack of inclusion in this board because it is this board, the one that is, um, it was a 15 people board that it was selected by the governor. And these people are meeting as, as we speak, they're meeting constantly. And they are the one who's going to advise how this system is going to be established here. However, the people that apply to the board, if you look at their background and if you look at who they are, there is no indigenous people that carry the medicine. There's none. There's really none. So how can you speak about the medicine that is not even in your lineage? How can you make decision for the rest of everybody of a medicine that is not even in your lineage? I think that's bold. I think that that can be really wrong. We have seen it with tobacco. Tobacco is a sacred medicine. It's used in ceremony. It's super sacred. And what happened when the interest of corporation came in, you know, it created this whole other thing that now we see many people dying out of cancer because there's smokers, right? Like the, the medicine was manufactured and it was created something else that now is creating harm in people. And if we look back when tobacco came out as a product, right? Teachers were smoking, uh, doctors were smoking back then, right? In the 60s and the 70s, because people didn't know about the side effect of it, right? Now we're facing something not the same, but similar. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what can happen when we are manufacturing of, of going into this plant medicine that they are not even from their lineage to co-create something else. I feel that that can be very harmful and this is where the indigenous voices, the indigenous people should be consulted and they should be um, asked for permission. Because we need to understand that these plant medicines are no cars or cell phones, you know, that you create in a manufacturer. These are medicines that they are in. These are the medicine of the indigenous people that just now, because we are co-creating the new earth, we are moving to the age of Aquarius. The indigenous people are being asked by mother nature and the medicine I creator. Now it's time to share. And it's out of their generosity that we know this medicine. So the fact that all of the sudden people think that they can manipulate and they can do whatever they want to it, I think is really disrespectful and very bold. And it can be very harmful. So what it sounds like is Big Pharma came in and the capitalist model that seems to superimpose itself on everything came in and superimposed itself in Colorado in regards to earth medicines and psychedelics and that the indigenous people's voices were not heard, that there was no real consideration for the land and asking permission to uh, use these earth medicines. And similarly with tobacco, as you mentioned, and ignoring the ceremonial aspects of earth medicines and psychedelics. Can you talk about why the ceremonial aspect is so important? The importance of the ceremonial part. You know, indigenous people do everything is a ceremony, everything, everything. And just extracting that part, not even involving that part in the process, because if you give this medicine to someone in four corners, uh, I mean, inside of a building where you don't even have access to, to go outside. And I speak for myself because I was part of the MDMA trial. 
I did it through maps. And it was a beautiful experience. My therapists were amazing. But at one moment, I needed fresh air and I couldn't. I like they led me to put my head on the window, but I needed nature. I needed to touch the element. I'm indigenous descended. I needed that and I couldn't because the whole process of how it's structured, it doesn't allow you to do that. So you are pointing to some of the complexity because the interest in earth medicines and psychedelics has led to research kind of MDMA and is helping a lot of people with depression and PTSD. And as we know, Ibogaine and 5-MeO-DMT is also being used for addiction. And many of these medicines through this research, we have a better understanding of their effects on healing. And yet there is this other aspect that you are highlighting. Could you tell me what you think the ideal scenario would have been in Colorado? So as other states in the United States look to decriminalize or legalize earth medicines and psychedelics, we could have another perspective. I'd like to speak to that a little bit because I'd like to join what Andrea just said and and kind of like your question together and put it in the context of colonization and where we are and what I personally think the problem is. I think that that a lot of the problem, even of how we're trying to colonize these medicines, is that the colonizers have been colonized and those people have been colonized. And so we come from, like, even way back when the pagans were Christianized and taken away from the land, taken away from the rituals of the land and holidays, Christian holidays were put on top of the pagan holidays. And to me, that's the beginning of the problems is where we got taken away from the land. So we have an attachment wounding from the mother. I think you and I have spoken about that before, that attachment wound from Mother Earth. And so generations and generations later, those people came and colonized the indigenous people of the Americas. And even here, we got taken away from the land. The indigenous people were put in this lands that don't grow food that we call reservations which are pretty much prisons they cannot grow their own food they cannot be in the ways that they like to be in the world and now we're finding ourselves lost we have lost our way we have lost our connection to mother earth we have lost even our own intuitive sense of what it's like to be connected. So then we're turning to these medicines. I think there's some part of our system that recognizes these medicines may have healing for us. But because we're so disconnected to the earth and we're not asking the indigenous people who are still connected to Mother Earth and know the rituals and know the ceremony and know how to reconnect, we're not asking them. We are like, entitled 13-year-olds acting like five-year-olds thinking that we know what the heck we're doing with these medicines and taking them in a very colonized way. And then we're extracting, like Andrea said, the molecules from these medicines and try to do our healing in four white walls separate from the earth. It's like we cannot solve a problem with the energy that created it, like Einstein very brightly said. So here we are trying to reconnect and to heal. But instead of like saying, let's all slow it down here, let's pause. And let's go to the people that have been doing this for generations and the ones that are still connected. Instead of that, we're like, oh, no, we know what we're doing. We can like take this medicines. And the indigenous people are over there probably saying, I don't want to speak for them. But they're, they're probably saying, all right, you took our land. You raped our people. You took us away from our land. You burnt our place. You put us in this. And now you're taking our medicine and you think that you're going to do whatever the hell you want with our medicine. I mean, if I was them, that's what I would be saying. Like, really? Now you're taking this. Now you're taking this and you're going to use it in whatever way you think you want to use it. And you're not even coming and asking. I mean, thank God this indigenous people have a lot of patience and are very enlightened. And they're just going like, all right, y'all keep blowing it. But we're right here. When you're ready, we're right here. So if you ask me, like, what is the ideal is for this whole thing to pause, to slow down for a second, and for us to 
humble ourselves enough to say, yes, we have our science and we have our studies and we have all of this and medicines are opening portals to other dimensions, to the spirit world. This is no joke. Even MDMA, which is a molecule that was created in a lab, you still are in an expanded state of consciousness. Who of all people know about expanded state of consciousness, if not the shamans and the indigenous people, the ones that are left that were that are still connected to the earth and we're not turning to them, right? So for me, it's like, why don't we get off our high horse for a minute and stop trying to capitalize on and take advantage of this thing we're calling the psychedelic revolution. I mean, I see people that are like, I'm going to open a clinic and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this coaching program. And I'm going to do this, you know, integration program. Like we're all like, oh, there's like the next big money-making thing. And so it's dangerous. Like Andrea said, this is, a, this is medicine. This is not a brand new invention or a cell phone or a computer. This is sacred medicine. This one is where we need to pause and say, we've capitalized on everything else around. We've made money out of everything else. Let's slow down. We're about to cross a line here that should not be crossed, trying to colonize plant medicine and take that away from the indigenous people. Do you feel that the message that is being highlighted by voices like yours is being heard? That's what we ask. You know, when we find out, anecdotally, I will say about these uh, closed door meetings, we ask, you know, I actually was part of, I was told by the medicine, you have to be that bridge and start calling in all these elders. And we co-created a group called Indigenous Voices with that intention to ask them to slow down. And they did change a little bit of the language, but they didn't slow down. They just continue on going on. And we asked them, what is the rush? What is the rush? Why, why are you such in a rush? And why are you talking about all of these medicines now that they don't even grow here? Ivoga grows in Africa, in Gabon, and there is a whole culture behind that. We should be asking those elders. Ayahuasca grows in the jungle and in South America. We should ask in those elders. And then Washuma or Mescaline from Washuma or from Peyote, you know, we should be asking those elders. And then magic mushrooms or Sarasava mushroom or Nino Santo, they grow everywhere beside the Antarctic, right? So they do grow everywhere. This is why the Gimalized Denver focus on that too, because they grow here. We are also not understanding the impact that it can create to this land if we start growing medicines that they doesn't even grow here. Like, that's a whole nother thing. So as it stands today, could a medicine like a boga be served in Colorado? Well, Ivoga, it was no part of the bill and now was reintroduced by this new bill that he just passed, that it was introduced by a senator, a local senator who happened to be the president of the state senate. He uh, came out with another bill and, and he did ask for indigenous voices to be part and he did meet with some of um, indigenous elders as a stakeholders and we did give some uh, feedback and out of that bill he added that that board of 15 people have to listen to indigenous led working group we don't know how that's going to be developed we don't know who is going to be selected for that and who is going to be the one who select them but at least we have something the board needs to uh, listen to the indigenous elders. That's like a little moving forward a little bit, right? That's something in the right direction. However, the board only can advise those who are going to make this happen. They cannot tell and say, this is what it has to be. They can only advise. So again, who we're giving this power to? We should be listening to the indigenous people. And another thing that I wanted to share is that NIC, you know, the National American Church, the representative have spoken about why you even including mescaline. You know, you should leave that medicine out because we understand that mescaline come from different cactus. 
and but peyote is a secret medicine and peyote is protected by federal law you know like a state law shouldn't even say anything because it's protected by federal law and the issue over here that indigenous from this land have been raised about this is that how are you going to know where the mescaline come from are you going to have a testing site are you going to have like a testing that is a mobile that it goes around testing where the mescaline come from and we know that peyote is the slowest growing cactus and it is already in extinction it is already in danger so just to think that you can synthesize or take some specific molecule for the plant medicine and then not even say where it's coming from it's kind of not okay you know and this is what indigenous from the NIC are, have saying just don't even include mescaline don't even include it and and just leave it alone because the other thing that is important is yes this medicine have medicinal purposes and 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 they have medicinal properties but this medicine are not only used for healing you know if we 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 understand native cultures these medicines are used for ceremony when somebody has a birthday or is graduating or somebody's going through something you know this medicine are part of the ceremony and they are part of the whole and it's not just this medicinal aspect of it and and just to focus on the medicinal aspect of it is erasing culture is really going against indigenous people you know and 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 2023 we should be included indigenous people we should be uplifting those voices so it goes against what the medicine is asking us to do really so it sounds like this senator added these um indigenous voices as advisors but it is yet to be seen how loudly those voices will be heard and how much impact that they will have um on how everything unfolds in Colorado no the the 15 board member is it was part of the bill that it, it was passed by the voters he added a indigenous working group to tell the board and to advise the board and then the board will advise those who are going to make those certification and all of that 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 bill proposed So when you look at your initial initiative in Denver, do you feel it has been a big loss the direction that legalization in Colorado has gone? I wouldn't call it lost. I think it's an opportunity for people to really be educated and and it's an opportunity for people to really understand and and to understand if things go in the wrong hands i don't even think those people who were paid by this uh, huge pack did it out of bad intention i think that they were acting out of ignorance they just don't know that what they don't know because they are no indigenous people and they're not being part of it so they just don't know so i do feel that this is an opportunity to educate this is an opportunity to do reparation and start opening the space to indigenous people and thank you michaela for for having this talk you know and and it's an opportunity for for get educated and to be humble like Anna was saying and learn from those who have been holding this medicine from generation 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 and also at the same time it is a, an opportunity to create awareness and educate those who feel the call to sit for others because it seems that a lot of people after sit with ceremony Oh, with this medicine they want to hold the space for other and that i appreciate that and i think that is a beautiful act of service but there is a reason why there is a lineage on this indigenous tribe because those lineage carry the power to actually healing take place if a real shaman or real medicine man or medicine woman is holding the space real healing can happen and real change and transformative can happen but if somebody else who just think that it can hold the medicine is holding the medicine we don't even know what portal this person is open at we don't even know if that person can hold the energy for themselves or for those who the person is sitting for so i feel this an opportunity to start listening to indigenous people and to decolonize ourselves and it's an opportunity to create reparations i think it's interesting because i think what earth medicines often do in particular I'm speaking again as a western woman is to begin to decolonize us decolonize our minds and our bodies show us the ways in which the current system 
has harmed us. It shows us our cultural, familial, social, religious systems that have colonized us. So it's interesting that in some ways what you're speaking to is that the colonization continues through Colorado's legalization of these medicines, and yet there is an opportunity, and there is an opportunity to hear more indigenous voices. It is yet to be seen how they will impact the board and whether the medicines that they deem their medicines and to be that are sacred and that are um, being over-harvested, whether those medicines can be um, held to be just theirs. And you're speaking to the importance of the different lineages and how shamans work and what message would you have for Westerners that are excited about the potentials for psychedelics and earth medicines? What message would you have to Westerners who are just looking for healing biologically, physiologically, and psychologically from these medicines? Yeah, I, I just want to say something real quick, and I'll, I'll answer your question in a minute. But the, the uh, issue that Andrea is talking about as far as uh, mescaline and the peyote and how it's, um, it's endangered and legalizing mescaline is an issue not only for the Native American church, but also it's an issue when I, I just came back from Bolivia a couple months ago, and my teacher was telling me that there was an American businessman who went into one of the towns in Peru and was very interested in buying acres and acres and acres of land in this little town in Peru because it had a lot of wachuma. And mescaline is about to be legalized in Colorado, so he just wants to be ready to have this farm, mescaline farm. And when I was there with my teacher, we needed a piece of wachuma, probably about, I don't know, you can see, like a couple feet worth of wachuma. And we created little offerings for the land and we sang songs and we offered chicha to the land. And we did this whole ritual to cut a little piece of wachuma so that we could dry it. It took us a couple of days to dry it and prepare the medicine for our ceremony. And this is to this people that medicine is like, it's a sibling, it's a part of their family and just cutting a small piece of wachuma and you only take what you need. You know, so so when you come from that perspective of the the indigenous perspective of this is our this is our family here and you only cut what you need and imagining an American businessman going to Peru and buying acres of land that of course they'll sell to him because they need the money down there. And then what he's going to hire people down there and give them machetes to cut the medicine without as much as a prayer. You know, it's basically like telling people, you know, go kill your family for money. I mean, it, it sounds dramatic, but it is dramatic. Well, it doesn't sound dramatic when you think of the ways in which we are extracting from Mother Earth and the eco-crisis that we find ourselves in, and we can all see it, and it's happening with Earth medicines. So the message that I would have is let's slow down and let's look at the shadow of the medicine world, because as much light as there is, there's a shadow too. This medicine has helped me, so I want to help others. And then I could become a shaman in a weekend and I could go to Peru and I could, you know, go gather all this medicine. And, you know, like the, the colonized mindset, it's a virus. And like you said, we could start decolonizing ourselves with a medicine and you do ayahuasca and you feel amazing and you feel more sovereign. And then like it hits you on the other side. You know, there's there's a shadow side, too, that we need to really watch out for. So my message would be let's watch out for the shadow of this it's it's real and let's just slow down and see if we're acting from a place of love and connection to the earth if we're really healing our connection to the earth or or if we're fostering our disconnect is there a form of activism that you would invite people to get involved in what are your thoughts on that and what are your thoughts on synthesizing medicines? Do you totally disagree with the idea that we can synthesize these medicines? There are certain medicines that I think should not be synthesized. I think that psilocybin comes from the earth, from the mycelial network for a reason. I think that uh, wachuma, peyote, a lot of those medicines come the way that they are. The only one that I'm 
a little bit more for being synthesized as a toad medicine, just because I know what's happening to the toads in Mexico and so many people are dying because of what's happening in Mexico with the toad and, uh, you know, 5-MeO can be easily created in a lab. I still don't like synthesized medicines, but, you know, I use, I also work with MDMA and I work with, uh, you know, other synthesized medicines, but medicines do come from a lineage and come from the holistic of the medicine. You know, you wouldn't want to call your grandmother and you like her arm and chop her arm out and throw the rest of her away, right? This is kind of what we're doing to this medicines, which are our family. Um, you know, we're taking a part of them and then throwing the rest out. Like we wouldn't do that to our family. And what would you say to a Westerner who wants to serve medicine? I think many Westerners decide to get permission from different lineages. And I think also mushrooms, mushrooms grow everywhere. It's part of my lineage as an Irish uh, woman. What do you have to say to women or men in Western culture that want to be part of the healing that is so needed on the planet um, when it comes to being in service with these medicines and to these medicines? First of all, thank you for listening to your path and, and wanting to help others and be of service. I think that's a beautiful way of embodying our purpose, you know, to be of service. But I would say connect to your land where you live, connect to the land where you are, learn the history of the land where you are, connect to the ancestor of the land where you are, and start from there. Start from there. Because, and I have said this in one of the big meetings with, with New Approach, what is the need of wanting to help others so much? Why do you want to save others so much? When in reality, we know that the only person we can save is ourselves. We cannot save anyone else. And by focusing in ourselves and doing the work in ourselves, we are helping way more than allowing people to sit with us, hold their medicine, if you don't know what you're doing, you know? So I would say connect to the land. Thank you for listening to your calling and learn, learn from the land that the land is speaking to you where, where we are, you know, this is stunning land. This is, this country it was funded in massacred, you know? So these are indigenous plants and they are right here right now because it's, it's needed right now in the world. I do personally believe that the age of Aquarius is a very technological age and connecting to Earth is what is needed right now and connecting to Earth. And like Anna was saying, right, this medicine is growing Earth. Even though there are some people who are growing, and I'm kind of putting a little bit out of uh, the question where you were, a little bit out of the answer of your question, but there are some people who grow um, some uh, hydroponic, right? Some, some people that eat veggies that are hydroponic, they're not connected to earth. They're connected to water. That's not how mother nature does it, you know, and it makes look amazing and all that, but that's, there's no a sense of groundedness. And we need to be grounded to be in this life experience. You know, we are on earth for a reason. We are spiritual being, having a human experience for a reason and being grounded on earth is what is necessary right now so if you're feeling the call to sit with others ask yourself why is that need of wanting to save others where that come from where were you maybe no given help when you need it that you feel that you can be that person for others and start with doing your inner work and working yourself and rediscover who you are and why you have this intention. And then if you really want to learn after all of that, go and travel and learn from the elders who have this medicine and who have been passing down this medicine. They want to teach, they want to help, but they want to be respected and honored too for what the wisdom that they carry. So many people are asking, how can we help the indigenous people? How could we help the marginalized people? And the point that Andrea just made, I just want to underline it because it's so important. It's not about helping the indigenous people. It's not about helping the marginalized people. It's about reconnecting yourself. That's the best way that we can help white-bodied people, all-bodied people, to reconnect yourself to the land and be informed by the land. And there, there's a, an Aboriginal activist group that came up with a quote that I really like. If you have come to help me, 
you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let's work together. That's beautiful. That's one of my favorite quotes. I think it's Lila Watson's quote. Um, and I think it's very true that our freedom is bound in each other. And I hope that earth medicines, the more earth medicines spread, and as you said, these medicines have incredible wisdom and the land is speaking, Mother Earth is speaking. And I think that message is a message that hopefully we can all and all those that are listening take to heart that if you have come to save me, don't bother, but that our freedom is bound in each other. And if there's anything that the medicines teach us is that the feeling and the knowing, the deep knowing that we are all one and um, all of the big crises of our time, um, we are tied together in this and uh, that's a beautiful quote. Thank you for sharing it. I want to thank you both for sharing your perspectives. It's a perspective that I think is such an important perspective right now in the United States and um, in all different cultures that are looking to heal and to awaken and to raise consciousness on this planet. It's a perspective that I think um, needs to be amplified more. So I thank you both so much for doing the work that you do and for coming on to the Psychedelic Mom podcast and sharing this deep perspective that you have. Thank you so much for your, for your voice and your willingness to listen and, you know, being so committed for these voices to, to get out. You know, this is, this is to me the right use of privilege, right? With those of us who have the privilege to have a microphone, to be able to stand for all the voices that don't have a chance to have the microphone. So thank you for being that. You know, I'm trying. It's a delicate path to walk because as the psychedelic mom, I'm trying to destigmatize earth medicines and psychedelics in particular for women and mothers um, who I feel like are often left behind. And so, you know, it's a delicate path because in my interviews, what I see is that everybody comes to the medicine from different places, whether it's an experimental journey that then changes their entire life that they might have had at a concert or the deep ceremonial use of these medicines. What I do see is that philosophies seem to come out of working with earth medicines. Many people believe that these medicines have much greater wisdom than humans do. And so I am looking at the earth medicines and psychedelics from many different angles on the psychedelic mom. I'm interviewing scientists and people that are opening ketamine clinics, and I'm interviewing other medicine women and men who are on this path and ultimately trying to have open dialogue on a very complex uh, conversation and do believe that we are walking a delicate path because earth medicines, as we all believe, are some of the most powerful tools and technologies that we have on the planet, that they've been here forever, that this is Mother Earth's wisdom and that we share in this great mother, no matter who we are, no matter where our indigenous roots are from. And I think it is an amazing call for us all to return to the deep connection to Mother Earth and to our own indigenous roots. Um, and I thank you for that. And as I said, it's a delicate path that I'm trying to walk as consciously as I can and um, to amplify all different voices in this space. And also as a medicine woman, getting taught and being um, in right relationship to the land and the different traditions and my own traditions, um, it's a delicate, delicate path. So I'm doing it the best I can and open always for reflection and do this with humility and always open to changing the ways in which I do it. Thank you so much. Thank you for the space and thank you for everybody who will listen to this and continue, you know, creating that awareness and educating in, in, in any way possible. You know, nobody's the owner of the truth. We are all individuals and each experience is unique and and i feel that the more you listen to more voices the wider perspective we we get to understand but thank you for uplifting and giving the opportunity to to have the different perspective beside the medical aspect 
And thank you so much for being here today, um, having this conversation, sharing this perspective. And I would love you to share the ways in which people can get in touch with you. And I would love to keep this dialogue going as the United States and the world emerges into hopefully a new Aquarian age with earth medicines somehow at the center with more indigenous voices being great wisdom teachers. So thank you for both showing up today to have this delicate conversation. And um, I would love you to, yes, share where others can reach you and contact you for your work. Email, phone, Instagram. My website is under construction. Uh, feel free to contact mm -hmm. um, if you can put the, the information in the details below. That will be helpful. And I have my website is newparadigmmysteryschool.com. And uh, there's a way to contact me through the New Paradigm Mystery School. And uh, even though we never answered your question, you know, what is the, what should we be doing when there's, the, the, there really is a lot of healing happening in, in spaces, even colonized spaces. There's no right answer. There is some good healing happening in colonized spaces. And there's also harm and there's also erasure. And so I think awareness is the way to go. The more we open our eyes and the more inclusive we become. Maybe that's the answer. I don't know. I don't have all the right answers, but I know that they're, you know, I just don't want to negate the good work that is happening underground and the good work that is happening by, by people that actually don't have a lineage. You know, I don't want to minimize that either. There's just, it's a complex world. Well, thank you both for taking this time out today and sharing your voices on the Psychedelic Mom podcast. I am sure that uh, I would love to have you back again as we follow this conversation. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully for the better as we build awareness. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for your, your listening and for the good work that you're doing. Yes, thank you. If you enjoyed today's show and want to help build a more beautiful, conscious and loving world, please share this content with friends, family and colleagues. You can follow this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And I'd really appreciate you taking the time to write a review so that others can find these amazing conversations. And if you'd like to see a video version of the show, you can find me on YouTube. Feel free to reach out and connect with me at thepsychedelicmom.com or message me on Instagram at thepsychedelicmom. And remember, you are the medicine. <laughs>